feel like you can't or shouldn't go on with the way things are in your life? Had enough pain over betrayal? Are you letting fear about money or rejection ruin your life? Are you stuck in low self-esteem, wishing you could get a fresh start? If so, this next hour is dedicated to you. This is the show where you can ask all your important personal questions and find out what you can do to start creating more joy and intimacy in your life. Listen in as Jane speaks with callers about their issues and shares her unique insights and strategies for living a more extraordinary life. And now, your host, Jane Strauss. Thanks for joining me today on the Ask Jane Show. Please feel free to send me your questions, concerns, and feedback. I'm at jane at askjanenow.com. Or you can leave a confidential voicemail for me at 415-458-1900. That's 415-458-1900. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the Ask Jane Show. Hi, Jane. Hi. What can I do to help you today? Tell us. Um, well, I'm a 41-year-old single woman living in Marin, and um, I've never really had a problem with my self-image, but last year I was diagnosed with breast cancer, early stage breast cancer. And I went through four surgeries and I'm on the other side now and I'm doing great. And my last surgery included implants, so I'm feeling pretty good about that. But I'm just wondering, how do I tell my next prospective lover about the scars and the changes that have happened to my body um, you know, it's kind of kicked me into early menopause. Uh huh. Uh huh. I understand that. Yeah. So let me ask you why that's even a question for you about are you afraid of disappointing somebody if you don't like give them the big heads up about it? <laughs> um, I just feel like it's something that needs to be addressed and I don't want to catch them off guard and I certainly don't want to be having sex in the dark for the rest of my life. Of course not. Well, I <laughs> certainly support you in not feeling that you have to do that. So, but it sounds to me like you're, there is a worry for you in this. Um, I guess, yeah, I think disappointment has something to do with it and expectation and just the fact that, um, you know, it's been kind of hard being single and now I have kind of, I feel like this is kind of another strike against me. And so maybe it's an esteem issue. I'm not really sure. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about for a moment about pre-breast cancer and your, your relationships Mm -hmm. just for a moment here. Um, Like had you had, um, you know, what you felt like was a a good relationship at some point in your life an intimate Um, relationship? Yeah, I've been in committed relationships and I was in a, a committed relationship before I was diagnosed. Um, It wasn't like a serious relationship, but it was committed. And um, he ended up not being able to stay with me through my treatment. And um, that was pretty disappointing. Do you think that that has something to do with how you're feeling now about approaching a a new relationship if the last one couldn't stay, hang in there with you during Well, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe. I could imagine that, that that would be, that here was someone who was already in your life, someone who knew you, someone you cared about, and he took off. Yeah, it was disappointing. And um, I felt like, gosh, if, if, you know, he couldn't handle it and he already really cared about me pre-surgery, <laughs> um, you know, how if he couldn't handle it, how could the next person, I guess. Right. That's the that's the belief system that's really running this show right now, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that feel to kind of get in touch with that this is really not just about the future, but it's about what happened to you that you really didn't get to heal on? You may have done, you know, had to spend a lot of your time, attention, and focus on healing your body and doing everything you can to, you know, to, I, I don't call it recover, but to pro-cover Mm-hmm. You know, pro cover means that you recover means you go back to the same state you were before something happened. Before, mm-hmm. but that's not what happens with breast cancer. You know, yeah, they call it kind of the new normal, and I'm I guess right. I'm trying to figure out what my new normal is, and and maybe a question would be, am I going to know when I'm ready to get back into an intimate relationship because I don't have these insecurities, or are these insecurities? insecurities showing up for a reason and are they something that I should learn to address 
that will enable me to okay. allow a new relationship into my life. Well, I want to change the focus for a moment because in, in pro-recovery where you're finding your new normal and that there are shifts and there are ways to do that. But really what's going on here is that it's not your insecurities that are going to stop you from being in a relationship. It's that your insecurities deserve to be dealt with because there's pain there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were essentially abandoned. Yeah, maybe I I didn't really let myself feel that deeply enough because I had so many other things right. going on. And um, so now that I feel like I'm back to being a complete physical woman, um, maybe now that's why it's kind of rearing its head. That's right. So saying, look at me. Exactly. It's like it's the appropriate time. It's because now there's room for this to come up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's just coming up looking at dating in the future. But really what this is about is I think you need to do some grieving still. That's part of pro-covery. That's part of new normal is being able to grieve all the losses, which includes that you were abandoned in a relationship Mm. that you trusted to be there for you. That was a big one. But, you know, I also have to say because of that gap that was created with the ending of that relationship, it allowed um, some past relationships that were much more loving and healthy to come back into my life Uh on a non-sexual level. And so that really fed and supported me through my whole treatment. And I had a wonderful group of friends that were um, there. So, you know, I I can hear that. And I really want to acknowledge you for creating that and having that in your life. (laughs) But I don't want to skirt around the grief about being abandoned. Yeah. You know, which is what I'm watching your mind do as your heart's already (laughs) in the grief. (laughs) Yeah, there's, I mean, there was a certain amount of sadness there because not only was I grieving the loss of the relationship, but I also in my mind knew that, that he was the last man I was ever going to be with in the previous normal, yes. you know, in my last incarnation that I had known for my first 41 years of my life. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I was kind of putting him in a little box saying, okay, that was my last real deal and maybe it's not maybe that's this is change is a good thing maybe this is allowing me to um have people in my life that will accept me for every little you know uh cut or wound or or uh, insecurity or right because some of us just some of us wear our scars and cuts and wounds on the outside and some of us have them on the inside Mm. but they're there for all of us and you're going to find the cuts and wounds and scars on anyone that you're with too and just mm-hmm. remember, they have just as many, mm, whether okay. you see them on their body or not. Mm. That's helpful. Okay. It's part of living. It's part of moving forward. It's part of having lived a life is we don't go through unscathed. None of us. That's what makes us human, right? That's what makes us human, and that's what makes us able to show compassion and feel compassion for ourselves. What I really want to ask you to do is feel compassion for your own wounds and scars, not just physical. Mm. But the emotional one of the loss that that man was the last one who was ever going to be with you in that body. Mm-hmm. Self-compassion. That's right. Even more. I know that you get it, but even more. Well, what are some things that I can do to to help me with that? I mean, I, I'm going to the gym now again and... Um, You know, I'm trying to take a look at this and be reflective and take quiet time to, Uh you know, look at everything I've been through. But I think there's still some sadness that needs to come up. And because you have a good support system, I would really want to encourage you to let your support system know that there's some more grief and sadness about the ending of that relationship and how it happened and when it happened in your life. Even if you see the big picture, even if you're grateful in other ways, even if you know, all those things, but there's still that sadness. One of the things we try to do is we try to work around sadness. And what that does is it keeps it lingering Mm -hmm. because we're afraid that it's kind of a bottomless abyss. Mm. You know, we're afraid if we go there, we'll just get lost in it. And we don't get lost in sadness. We will always come through it. We get lost if we don't go there all the way. Well, it's a new year and I... 
I think that that's another reason why I was interested in talking with you because I hear everything that you're saying and it really makes sense to kind of walk through it and not just avert my eyes from it and and close my heart off from it because Good. this is the time to open. That's right. And to, you know, to say I'm hurting, you know, to say my heart was kind of bruised and and to admit it rather than you know, tossing it under the, the rug there. Good, Amanda. Good. <laughs> and that really is a good New Year's, you know, commitment to yourself because it that's going to be what opens you up. That's going to be what helps you keep doing your pro recovery mm-hmm. and moving forward is to be with what is right now and what is being allowed to come up now that you're not in that urgent phase of just, you know, taking care of business, mm-hmm. you know, and this is what's there. And you have a right to experience it, and you have an obligation to yourself to let yourself. But the first step is just seeing it. That's right. Okay. And getting support. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I get that you're a supportive person, so get the support yourself too, okay? Okay. Well, self-compassion and pro-covery and um, just looking at it head on, you know, those are things that I can do. and. So this has been helpful for me. Okay, good. I'm I'm sure you can do it. I can hear it in your voice <laughs> that you, you're already doing it, even as we're talking. So that's wonderful. So please let me know how you're doing. Okay, Jane. I will. All right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay, bye. Do you know the difference between a dash and a hyphen? Can't figure out when to use a colon or a semicolon? Wondering when to say I or me? Do you want to polish your resume? Then you need the best-selling Blue Book of Grammar and Punctuation, which has been endorsed by thousands of teachers, business professionals, and homeschoolers. To see the entire content of the Blue Book, visit GrammarBook.com, G-R-A-M-M-A-R Book. There you can read the easy-to-follow rules and examples and take hundreds of fun, interactive quizzes. Did you know that this morning, 250 million children woke up and didn't have the opportunity to attend school? Room to Read is a nonprofit organization that has helped nearly 2 million children around the world receive the lifelong gift of education. Its success is directly tied to the work of passionate volunteers and gracious donors. Support Room to Read today. Help provide an education and a brighter future to the world's children. Visit the website at roomtoread.org. When someone you love is seriously ill, Hospice by the Bay offers comfort, care, and support, enabling them to live with dignity in the home of their choice, surrounded by those they love. Hospice's care extends to the entire family. Hospice by the Bay also serves people whose lives have been affected by the loss of a loved one through its community grief support program. Hospice by the Bay's care is available in Marin, San Francisco, and Sonoma counties, and is funded by reimbursement from Medicare and private insurance, and through financial support from community members and businesses. For information on how they can help you and your family during difficult times or how you can support their work, call 415-927-2273, 415-927-2273, or visit us on the web at www.hospicebythebay.org. That's hospicebythebay.org. Now it's time for more of Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert and best-selling author Jane Strauss. Ask Jane your important question, and her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. And now, here's Jane. Hi, Dana. Welcome to the Ask Jane Show. Hi. <laughs> Hi. What relationship problem do you need help with today? Well, um... I have been on and off with my ex-boyfriend, boyfriend, whatever you want to call him, for about seven years almost. And um, You I sound actually, embarrassed about that. I am embarrassed about it. What are you embarrassed about? Oh, uh, I don't know, because I feel like if I always think that if people want to be together, they'll just be together without having things so complicated. Uh-huh. What's the complication for you? Well, we originally dated for about two years, and then we broke up when I was still in college, and he was already at home and established, and he just said he just wasn't sure about what he wanted, even though he really cared about me and blah, blah, blah. And then from there, we were just always on and off. Well, about two years ago, um, 
I decided to move down to Florida and work from Michigan. And um, he actually had moved to Germany for a couple months, and he was supposed to be away, then he ended up coming back. And I ended up moving to Florida and was like, you know what, I'm just kind of done with this on and off again and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and he actually helped me move down here. Were you and, feeling, um, were you feeling like that, a, Dana, were you feeling like a yo-yo? Yeah. Yeah. Because okay. he always, he always like kind of wanted me back. And then whenever I was like, you know, what do you really want to do? He's like, I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. Uh-huh. Okay. So you've been through this pattern now on and off for seven years. Yeah. Okay. So, much. so what's happening now? Well, what happened now is I've been down in Florida about two years. When I moved down, I said that was it. We were done. And I was actually supposed to come back in a couple months, but I ended up just staying for good. I got a job and everything. Well, I actually met somebody else and had us, and he became my boyfriend. So we were together for about a year, and I didn't. I talked to him maybe three times within that year. We never, we never talked. Well, then I broke up with my ex-boyfriend or with my boyfriend, and then I, somehow we started talking again, and... No, did you do like, the breaking up with that last boyfriend? I did the breaking up. I just, well, I didn't like him like my other one, and I just knew we weren't meant to be together. Okay. Just, I actually don't even know why I stayed with him for so long. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, when we broke up, he, I started talking to my my original boyfriend over for over the years again, and I ended up coming back to Michigan for a wedding, and he came with me, and then since June, he's actually been to Florida to see me three times now, Uh-huh. and we've also, like, had a trip. We went to New Orleans together a couple weeks ago, and I was home for Christmas, and ever since then, everything's been really great, and he's like, I, he's like, if you were home, things would be really different. He's like, I'm not where I was anymore, and um, he's like... He's like, you know, I think that we have a great foundation, and I could see myself spending the rest of my life with you, but he doesn't want to tell me to move back home because he says he thinks I'm not ready. And why does he think you're not ready, and why might you not be ready? Because I feel like I'm 26, and I, I feel like there's still so much I want to do. And going back to my hometown, which is great, and I love my family, and I love being back home, but I feel like I would be selling selling myself short a little bit. So you guys kind of have traded off roles now. So now he's yeah. ready. <laughs> and now you're the one going, uh, maybe not so fast. Yeah. Uh-huh. And and he's he's 31, and, and he's kind of like, I don't want to do the long distance thing, even though we still talk almost every day now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, I, he and the other thing is, too, though, he says if I move back home, he has a real problem with saying I would be his girlfriend. He what? said we would be exclusively dating. Oh, wait a second here. Exclusively yeah. dating but not wanting to call you his girlfriend doesn't sound like I'm ready for a commitment. That doesn't to me either. Okay. So uh, it feels like it negates the rest of it. Right. So I'm glad at least that he's not begging you to move back there because right. then I would think he was kind of a jerk for doing yeah. that. You know, but you need to pay attention to what he's offering here. And maybe you're both not ready. And, you know, it sounds like you're judging yourself, though, here, Dana. I just want to check in with you. Like, what's your self-judgment? I I pretty much consider myself someone fairly independent and very strong-willed. And, you know, not to the extremist, but I always think that, I always feel like guys come second when I talk to anybody else. And for me, I've let him come first way too much. Uh-huh. And I, I judge myself on not being stronger and not staying away from him and letting him pretty much dictate our relationship the way it has been, which is not the way I want it to go. Okay. How do you want it to go right now, then? Let's work on that. What do you want <laughs> for yourself that's going to make you feel good about looking in the mirror and feel, feeling self-respect? Because there's an issue of self-respect here. I just... I feel like he he knows me really well, and he says all these wonderful characteristics about me, but I feel like what what's really lacking is him, him just to be like, I just want to be with you. There's no one else I want to be with. Now, let me ask you something here, Dana. If he said to you, I really want to be with you, only you, I want you to marry me, essentially, 
Would you want, would you trust it? Would you want to go back to Michigan? Would you feel like, okay, now that makes, that's, that changes the deal here? Um, I think it would make it 75 25 that way. <laughs> 75 <laughs> Okay. So, um, you know, one of the things you could be doing is playing off each other's fears right now. If he thinks he could get rejected, he may not want yeah. he may not want to ask you. So you have to be really clear about that that you're setting a tone also. It's not he's not the only one who's setting the tone. Yeah. So if you're giving him the message out there, well, you can ask, but I'm not necessarily going to say yes, and he's already had cold feet a number of times, you could be shooting yourself in the foot with this. So I, I feel that a little bit as well. Uh-huh. So what's the truth for you, Dana? Do you want to marry him? If, he, if you really knew that he wanted to marry you, do you want to marry him? Or do you feel like, no, I'm too young, I need to do some other things first? I mean, what is the truth for you right now in this very moment? And it can change in five minutes, but what's true for you in yeah. this moment? When I, most of the time when I think about him, and I was actually looking at some pictures earlier, I was like, that would just be so fun. I think we would just have so much fun together if we were together and if we were married. And there's nobody else that I've ever met or ever been with that I would ever think that I would want to marry. And he, for me, he's like the total package. I okay. think we complement each other really well. We get along with each other's friends. I love his family. He loves mine. And but and then we can we can hang out in a big group or just with each other and have fun. So do you think you could get past this standoff with him by having that conversation with him? I mean, that was sweet. Yeah. Well, he, we've kind of had the conversation. I feel like sometimes though, when I push it, he gets defensive about it. What does pushing it mean? Well, what, um, and this actually has been a little bit when I say, you know, I just think it's so weird. Like, I actually felt silly. Like, I've been home for a couple of holidays, and Christmas is actually great. Like, Christmas but is a really good time. But yeah, Let's focus on that for a second. What does that mean that when you push it? Uh, when I say, like, what are we or, you know, what do you want to be with me? And he, he's constantly saying, Dana, I said this to you. 30 times, and I'll probably have to say this to you 30 more times. He goes, I really like you. I like being with you. But he doesn't want a long-distance relationship. Okay, he, he says, says, Dana, I'm going to stop you here. So, Dana, okay. you're thinking about that he's the total package, that you want to marry him, and he's saying, Dana, I've said to you 30 times, I really like you? Yeah. So he doesn't use the L word? He, no, he's used it maybe twice. Twice in seven years? Well, no, no, no. He used to say that he loves me. We haven't said it in a long time. Like, the past few times he's actually come to visit me, he said it. Like, you know, I love you. I care about you so much. He's like, but he has said, I don't know if I'm in love with you. Okay. So he's still got the same kind of things going on of back and forth going on. Yes. All right. Yeah. And you know that right now. So... Um, you know, what is it going to, what's the most self-respecting thing you can do in this? Because you need to respect yourself ultimately, or you're not going to feel good no matter what happens here. Yeah, I think the best thing, which I think about all the time, but I just, I just never know. But I think that I should just kind of give him an ultimatum. Like, do you want to make this work? Or if not, then I can never talk to you again. Well, that, you know, ultimatums give us a momentary hit. It's like a shot of heroin, you know. Yeah. They give us this momentary know, I, hit I, I, of power. But if it's not real for us, if it's not really our time to say that to somebody, then we don't stay with it, and then we feel worse about ourselves for giving an yeah. ultimatum that wasn't really our truth. So you can't do something that isn't truthful with yourself right now. I don't recommend that. Right. Okay. So forget about the ultimatum. You're not in ultimatum mode. No. Okay. So that's not going to be self-respecting. That's going to be a lie to yourself, and that's not self-respecting. So let go of thinking that that's what self-respect looks like for a moment, okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So what if you just keep exploring this relationship and living your life where you are right now? Could that be self-respecting? Yes. Um, I missed the first part. I'm sorry. Okay. Could you feel self-respect if you continued yeah. in your relationship to explore it because you still have hopes and dreams and questions and 
still maintained your life in Florida. Could you let that be self-respecting right now? I do. I, I feel like, you know, I have my own life going on here. Can so you respect I feel like yourself? I'm not relying for that? on him to. But can you respect yourself attention? for doing that? Um, I think so. I, it's actually, um, I guess it's more of a validation for myself to keep myself busy. Like if I have something to do every night or if I, I'm, I go out with a lot of girlfriends or even if I meet somebody, I feel like it's validating myself where I'm not relying on him in a way. Uh-huh. Well, I don't think it's healthy to rely on him right now because he's not giving you the message to rely on him. And right. so I think that you want to feel good about yourself and you need to do things that make you feel good about yourself without jumping into ultimatums or trying to live in the future. You can only live in the present. And in the present, you have you love him, you want mm-hmm. this to be the relationship, but you don't know. And not knowing is a tough place in life. And you deserve to really respect yourself for staying in the not knowing instead of trying to jump the gun. Instead of doing one more breakup, one more round of breaking up, coming back together, you know, which is which doesn't build a relationship. It doesn't make it healthier. You know, it makes it feel more wobbly. Just can you accept the unknown right now and respect yourself for that? Um, I think I can. I just feel as though I'm in a situation where I'm at a job that is a, it's a good job, but I know I kind of wanted to move on to another place. And I know where I am, I don't necessarily want to stay. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure, though. I'm I'm just kind of conflicted as should I start looking in, in back at home or should I look somewhere else? Okay, so, we're, if, okay, so we're talking to Dana today who's uh, having some inner turmoil and conflict about whether to stay where she is, move back home, depending on this relationship that she's been in on and off again for seven years. Right, Dana? Yeah. Okay, so here's my recommendation. Don't make your decision about work. Don't confuse things. Don't muddy those waters. Don't make your decision about work based on your relationship. Right. Because that's the part that's not known. That's the part that you have. You don't. You can't control that part of it right now. You're. It's. There are too many question marks. <laughs> Everywhere. Everywhere. Exactly. And that's a hard place to be in life. And I really respect that, that that's a hard place to be. But the one thing you can do is make whatever decisions are coming up around work based on what's going to be the best work situation for you right now. And then right. just keep exploring what happens with this man. Mm-hmm. How does that sound to you? That sounds good. I I just, I guess it's something I do have to remind myself to take it one day at a time. <laughs> it, you know what? Sometimes that is exactly what we have to do. That's very wise advice for yourself because you're in a one day at a time situation. And yeah. at some point... Something will happen where it will shift. I promise you that. The, the aha will come to you. You'll either say, yes, I can move forward in this relationship or no, I'm done. And it, you will get clarity. But we cannot rush into clarity when we don't have it. And it takes a lot of courage to stay in lack of clarity. <laughs> it does. It takes a lot of courage. And a lot of people, (laughs) right, nobody likes it. I don't like it either. And everybody, you know, can judge us for not being um, clear. And that's their own stuff. So I really want to support you remembering that I said to you how much courage this takes. Thank you. Okay? Yes. Because it does. And I admire you for staying with yourself with this. Yeah. And don't try to show off to anybody. by Don't try to prove anything to anybody. Just stay with yourself on this, all right? Okay. All right. Good job. You're doing a good job. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Keep me posted. Huh? Keep me posted. Absolutely. All right. right. (laughs) Bye-bye, Dana. you like what you're hearing on the Ask Jane Show? Well, then visit janestrauss.com to ask Jane your questions and to read her blog. You can also read excerpts from Jane's remarkable book, Enough is Enough, which will help you stop enduring and start living a more extraordinary life now. 
You can also watch Jane's video, 10 Keys to an Extraordinary Life, by visiting janestrauss.com. That's janestraus.com. Isn't it time you started living the life you want now? When someone you love is seriously ill, Hospice by the Bay offers the care and support, enabling them to live with dignity in the home of their choice, surrounded by those they love. Hospice by the Bay also serves people whose lives have been affected by loss through its grief support program. For information on how they can help you and your family, call 415-927-2273 or visit us on the web at www.hospicebythebay.org. That's www.hospicebythebay.org. You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert, Jane Strauss. And her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. What would you like to ask Jane? For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. Hi, Joyce. Welcome to the Ask Jane Show. Hi there. What relationship problem do you need some help with today, Joyce? Um, well, with my sister. Um, we've become close friends as um, we've grown into adulthood, and um, um, our lives are very, very different, and I've recently been uh, struggling with feeling some resentment uh, toward her. Okay. Why don't you tell us about the resentment? Um, well, we're very different in our financial um, situations. She owns a four-bedroom home with a pool, and I rent a one-bedroom apartment, and she's been at her same job for 40 years, and I've been laid off twice in the last three. Ouch. Um, she has, you know, big savings and you know, with her husband and stocks and investments and 401k, and I pretty much live uh, paycheck to paycheck. And with all the doom and gloom predictions in the financial markets and layoffs at my job, I've just been having a real difficulty dealing with the difference in our situations. And what is it that you would want to have different with your sister? I understand if you could wave your magic wand, you'd probably want differences for yourself in your financial situation. I can imagine that. But what is it that is happening with your sister that you would, you know, what's really under that for you? Well, I think there's a feeling, I mean, I know that it, you never win when you play the comparison game, <laughs> so I really try not to do that, but I think what comes up for me is a lot of the feeling of less than um, and around not being able to create that sort of financial stability and security for myself, and so I judge myself pretty harshly about that. Uh-huh, so it's really that you're judging yourself, you're not feeling like your sister should be helping you and she's not, or she's lording it over you in some way? Um, no, not really, except that when I try to talk with her about, you know, my fears and anxieties, um, then she sort of starts to talk about, you know, how hard it is for her and how scary it is for her. And, um, and so, you know, I just want to kind of scream that, you know... <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I just don't understand why she needs to sort of best me in the um, I'm not doing so well category. So know? is that older than the economic situation in your relationship where if you needed to be the one having some support that your sister would tend to need it also or need to have, you know, her time to have that instead of you just getting yours? Is that... Is that a dynamic in your relationship that precedes this? I never would have put that together, but I, you know, as my mind is sort of racing back on our, you know, years of interaction, I I think that you've kind of hit on something there. <laughs> okay. Well, very often what I find is that money is... Um, you know, as as difficult as it is of an issue on its own, it's often symbolic or uh, symptomatic of something else that's going on underneath. And so when there are money wobbles and economic concerns, it brings up deeper issues that have been there all along. And in a way, that's good because then you get in touch with what's really going on and you don't have to focus just on the superficial part of it. And so what is it that you feel like you need to do differently with your sister because of this dynamic, now that you're having this aha about it? 
What could you do differently? I, I don't know, other than sort of, I mean, my first instinct would be to keep that part of my life away from her and just not, you know, talk to her about it because, you know, it seems obvious to me now that that causes her anxiety. But Well, it's not about what it causes her. If if she has to be the center of attention with her problems being worse than yours, mm-hmm. somehow that's going to play out whether you're talking about finances or something else. So avoiding it doesn't seem like healing it. And you're saying that you've become close with your sister. So it seems like this is an opportunity to become even closer if you want to take that risk with her. And maybe you could introduce a conversation and say, I really need to talk right now, and I need the focus to be on my feelings if you could help with that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that would work with your sister? I, I don't know because I've never approached it, you know, that way. <laughs> I sort of automatically go into the, oh, well, okay, you know, okay, go ahead with your stuff kind of role. Okay, so there would be some uh, empowerment here and some healing for you to stay with yourself and ask for what you want. And here's my guess, Joyce, that if you start practicing that with your family, with your sister in this way, that it will also help you out in the world, in the work world also, about there must be something here about asking for what you want and need. Interesting. So this might be a good place to practice with your sister. I, yeah, I, I think I can do that. Great. Yeah, I feel a little <laughs> hesitant because that would be, you know, a real role change. Right. You know, whenever we're talking about family, it can even be scarier than out with strangers trying something new because our family's expectations uh, get changed, and our expectations of ourselves within our family get changed, and that's new and different and scary. But it's the sometimes the most worthwhile place because that's where the fundamental changes happen. When we can change how we are with our family, it makes it a lot easier to change out in the world. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, I, that sounds solid and sound. Okay, good. So. Great, Joyce. What I really want to ask you to do is to make a call to your sister or get together with your sister and introduce your needs right up front and ask for what you want. And if she interrupts and goes into her stuff very lovingly, very politely, but just say, look, I really said that I needed to talk about me. Can we stay with me right now? Um, It seems so easy, but huge at the same time. Right. (laughs) You got it. That's what it is. It's easy and huge, and that's the way it should be. (laughs) I will try that. Okay, great. Thanks, Joyce. Thank you, Jane. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did you know that this morning, 250 million children woke up and didn't have the opportunity to attend school? Well, Room to Read is a nonprofit organization that has helped nearly 2 million children around the world receive the lifelong gift of education. Now, through the opportunities that only education can provide, Room to Read strives to break the cycle of poverty one child at a time. Room to Read's success is directly tied to the work of passionate volunteers and gracious donors. So, support Room to Read today and help provide a brighter future for a child in need. World change starts with educated children. For more information on how you can help, visit www.roomtoread.org. www.roomtoread.org. You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert, Jane Strauss. And her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. What would you like to ask Jane? For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. Hi, you're listening to the Ask Jane Show with your host, Jane Strauss. And I'm happy to be here on Green 960 
If you'd like to ask me a question or tell me about a relationship issue or a concern you have, please email me at jane at janestrauss.com. And that's S-T-R-A-U-S dot com. And we have Arlene on the line right now. So we're going to talk to Arlene about what's going on for her. So Arlene, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, thanks. What's going on? Well, I have a 26-year-old daughter who lives out of state, and um, she works at a job uh, where she barely, which barely covers her expenses. The problem I'm having with her is our relationship. Um, she often gets angry at me and cuts off the conversation when we're talking on the phone. And the reason she's getting angry is because either I can't be reached by phone, by the phone soon enough or when she wants me, or I have to go someplace and I have to end the conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, she's cut off her dad, and she hasn't spoken to him for several months. For the and same reason? Arlene, for the same reason? No, she had a different reason with him. Um, when she cuts me off, it's usually temporary. Him, she's not talking to for like six months. What's the reason? And, well, for for him, she's, he came and visited. She felt like he visited and intruded on her space, and then he brought a girlfriend with him. I mean, we're, we're divorced, and uh, uh, she felt like he always has a different woman that he brings that she gets to know, and then then he drops the 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 woman. Uh huh. So does she feel protective of you, or no? It has nothing to do with that. No, I mean I was gonna say, like I just came back from visiting her, and um, she has a TV on like twenty four seven, and so sometimes I felt like tired, and I said, please lower the TV, or I want to sleep, or I have a headache, and she gets angry, feels like. Like I'm ordering her around, so it's not like she feels protective of me. I think it's something different. I don't know. Uh-huh. I, uh, so it's yeah. It sounds like she has some kind of you know what sounds like seething kind of resentment here that goes uh, that's rather deep and maybe for a long time, and that she feels some abandonment by you. Is there any? Does that word fit at all? I think so. Yeah. I think she she does feel like we didn't like I worked when she was growing up and I didn't she felt feels like I didn't spend enough time with her. Uh-huh. Uh, so she does have those abandonment issues. And so is that true? I mean, did you feel like you didn't get to spend enough time with her or what what's true for you? I thought I did the best I can being a working mother, you know. I, I came back and maybe I I, I I picked her up and then I needed a little rest. But then I thought I, I, thought I did the best I could, well, you know. Well, you obviously did the best you could. You, we always do the best we can. And it doesn't, yeah. but it doesn't mean that we don't have any sadness or regret that we couldn't do more. So I'm really just asking about that. I mean, do I'm I a, feel that? Yes, no. you don't feel that. Okay. No. So you feel like not only did you do the best you could, but it was good enough. But somehow, uh huh. But somehow she's trying to get across to you that it's not good enough, and is right. frustrated and angry that you're not getting that. Right. So have you? Do you feel like? you could let her have her say about what's going on for her about that? Because she it, has said it. She, she has said it. I mean, I, and I just spent three weeks with her. I, I don't know. I don't think I could do. She has said it. And what I has she said, said? I'm sorry that you didn't spend more time with me, and I wish maybe we could do things together now. Um, but I think, I don't think, I don't. I think as much as I do, it's still the same feeling. I feel. I, I feel. I, I. I just spent three weeks with her and I came back, and I, I don't think it's changed the feeling. But I. I heard her, and I. I. I apologized. What did you apologize for? For. for um, I don't know. For. <laughs> for, for <laughs> That's a problem. For her not having. For her. For her feeling like I didn't have enough time for her. Okay, or you if can't... I didn't pick her up, if I, 
maybe I picked her up late from the daycare center sometimes. I apologize yeah. for that. Okay. Um, so, Arlene, yeah. Arlene, you cannot have an effective apology when you're apologizing for someone else's feelings. It'll never, it, it'll leave someone completely dissatisfied and you frustrated because you can't, you can't, you can only apologize for something you feel like in your heart you did that was either off that you wish you hadn't done or something you wish you had done that you didn't do. And that's the only apology that's really going to work. And otherwise, you're just going to keep recreating with your daughter the same resentment coming up over and over and over. She's going to feel not heard, and you're going to feel like you're doing everything humanly possible to try to hear her, and you're going to keep hitting this wall with each other. So So what could I do? Right, that's a good question. Well, is there anything that you are sorry for. I'm not trying to put you in that position. I'm just asking you, are you sorry for anything in your heart of hearts that at all with your daughter? And if not, then the answer is no. But if so, let's hear it. The only thing I could feel sorry for is that uh, maybe that um, there was so much fighting between me and her father Uh and she was there. Okay. And, and you know, she probably got scared. Uh-huh. And I couldn't do anything about it. Okay. And that sounded, you know, just your whole voice changed when you just said that, Arlene. It was like all your defenses went down. And, like, you could really, I could tell you could really feel your daughter's feelings there. I could feel the empathy in your voice for her with that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So you can hear the difference between one, like, I'm sorry you feel that way, and who, I'm sorry that you had to suffer through that, and there was nothing I could do. Yeah. Yeah. So guess what your conversation gets to be with your daughter that will probably move mountains here? I mean, I think I said it once, or I wrote it once Mm -hmm. like that. You know, I mean, you know what's interesting about an apology is that when we really feel it heartfelt, yeah. Um, sometimes we d- we get um, we have permission, <laughs> and we're asked to say it over and over to somebody. And when we really feel it, we don't resent giving it over and over. Well, maybe I could say that. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah. I mean, there has to be an opening, though. I mean, right. I. You can't just say it out of the clear blue sky. It just, but um, well, you kind of can with real apologies because they're gifts. Like you know, they're the biggest gift that we can receive. Well, then I'll try to do that. Yeah, and you know, you if think you, that might help? I know it'll help because it's there's such a soft place in you when you just said it that wasn't there before, and it's probably the wall she's been trying, you know, like banging against with you well, to get to, so. you know, maybe so. you know, and you're trying your best trying to apologize for everything she's bringing up and it's not working, but there is this deep, you know, sense of remorse and sorrow about one big thing. And, you know, if you said that 20 times to her, if that's what she needed to hear and just to stay with that, um, there would be a real shift in your relationship. I have no doubt that the walls would come down. Well, thanks. I'm going to try that. Good. And I appreciate it. Yeah, I do feel a little weepy when I said that. Yeah. You know, it kind of touched my heart. Right. And I'm sure your daughter will feel that. And that's what will make all the difference in the world. So stay in your heart, Arlene. Just stay right there with that and trust that. And trust the that your daughter will hear the love for her that you have through that. Okay. Thanks a lot, Jane. You're welcome. My pleasure. Do you know the difference between a dash and a hyphen? Can't figure out when to use a colon or a semicolon? Wondering when to say I or me? Do you want to polish your resume? Then you need the best-selling blue book of grammar and punctuation, which has been endorsed by thousands of teachers, business professionals, and homeschoolers. To see the entire content of the blue book, visit grammarbook.com, G-R-A-M-M-A-R book. There you can read the easy to follow rules and examples and take hundreds of fun interactive quizzes. Did you know that this morning, 250 million children woke up and didn't have the opportunity to attend school? 
Room to Read is a nonprofit organization that has helped nearly 2 million children around the world receive the lifelong gift of education. Its success is directly tied to the work of passionate volunteers and gracious donors. Support Room to Read today. Help provide an education and a brighter future to the world's children. Visit the website at roomtoread.org. When someone you love is seriously ill, Hospice by the Bay offers comfort, care, and support, enabling them to live with dignity in the home of their choice, surrounded by those they love. Hospice's care extends to the entire family. Hospice by the Bay also serves people whose lives have been affected by the loss of a loved one through its community grief support program. Hospice by the Bay's care is available in Marin, San Francisco, and Sonoma counties, and is funded by reimbursement from Medicare and private insurance, and through financial support from community members and businesses. For information on how they can help you and your family during difficult times or how you can support their work, call 415-927-2273, 415-927-2273, or visit us on the web at www.hospicebythebay.org. That's hospicebythebay.org. Edward. Susan. Hi. <laughs> Heard you got married. Well, yeah, I couldn't wait for you. <laughs> Susan, tell me something. Yes. When you and I were dating, did you speak to my secretary more than you spoke to me? She was one of my bridesmaids. Huh. You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert Jane Strauss. And her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at ask janenow.com What would you like to ask Jane? For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. Thanks for joining me today. I want to give special thanks to my wonderful callers for creating an incredible show. And also thank you to Scott and Teresa, my producers. And uh, be sure to join me next week for another Ask Jane show here on Green 960. Send me your questions, concerns, and feedback. I'm at jane at askjanenow.com. And you can also reach me on my confidential voicemail, 415-458-1900. That's 415-458-1900. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing from you. This has been the Ask Jane Show with relationship expert Jane Strauss. Send an email to jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. With your relationship concern, if you'd like to get some helpful advice right here on the show. You can also visit her website, askjanenow.com, on the Internet. That's askjanenow.com. Jane, now.